0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon Holiday Extravaganza. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. All month long, I'll bring you interviews with authors chatting about their holiday themed cozies. You'll also hear authors sharing their special holiday memories. And you'll find holiday photos and recipes on the podcast Instagram. Happy listening. to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. I'm joined by Sean Riley Simmons, who's here to chat with me about Murder With All The Trimmings, her red carpet catering mystery set at Christmas time in New York. Welcome, Sean.
1: Hey, thanks for having me Um, back again. I was on a couple years ago, I think. Um, I can't remember exactly when the year was, but thank you for having me back. I'm pleased to be here.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Now, it's Christmas time in the city, but your sleuth, Penelope Sutherland, has more on her mind than sidewalks dressed in holiday style. So what's going on in Murder with All the Trimmings? <laughs> she is loves always loves being
1: in the city for the holidays because it's just so fun and wonderful and beautiful. And at the same time, um, she's actually working this, this season because her good friend, Arlena, who's sort of her cohort in each of the books, um, got a... Um, she's involved in directing a documentary about um, these dancers in this old theater in Manhattan. So Penelope, of course, does anything Arlene would like for her to do. So she decides to be the caterer. So um, that's what she's doing. So she, in between shopping and hanging out with her friends, she's doing um, catering at this old theater that puts on a Christmas,
0: like a Christmas spectacular every year. That um, a lot of tourists like to go to. And with this uh, Christmas uh, spectacular, with the Big Apple dancers, uh, any chance be inspired by the legendary Rockettes of Radio City Music Hall?
1: Yes, very much so. They're very much inspired by the Rockettes. And I'll have to tell you why, because it was years and years ago. um, I used to read the New York Times every day when I lived in New York. um, And I always read this this Sunday. That was sort of like this half half of the morning on Sunday was just sitting and reading that giant paper, you know, and with coffee and breakfast or whatever. And I, I remember there was this, two to it was like the center spread of the entertainment section was like a two to three page article about the Rockettes and I read it and I was so fascinated because it was just one of those in-depth you know they interviewed a bunch of them and like what's it like to have this job and how did you get to be you know one of the Rockettes because it's you know it's a job you have for very limited time but you work really hard to get it for many years it's just one of those sort of strange jobs that you know we have like it's like almost like an Olympian like you train 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 and you get to be a so I read this thing and it was just interesting to me There some of them were, you know, mothers and some were not. And some had come all the way from like the Midwest to try out and made it. And some people tried out many years in a row and never made it. And um, they had like ice baths in the back in between because they do multiple shows a day, if you can imagine. So it's very physical. So they would have like ice baths in the back um, of the theater. So they would just because they'd be so, so you know sore and swollen, you know. <laughs> So they would go see these. I, and I was like reading this. I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever read. I can't believe because you know everyone's like, oh, it's Christmas. They'll go fun and see the ladies kick their legs up. But I just thought it was so. Um, you know, they were almost like athletes to me. I just thought it was so cool. So I okay. I had read that years and years earlier, but I never forgot about it. And actually, I, I I googled and I found that article again and I reread it before I wrote this book. So I did base the um, Big Apple dancers on the Rockheads. They're similar. They're they're different. They don't do the they don't steal their kicks or anything. I didn't want to be like complete, a complete lift, but I wanted it to, to be like a strenuous, you know, athletic group of women that put on the show for people that come and just to help people celebrate the holidays and make it special. Cause once you see them, you, you'll never forget it. I've seen them and it's just, it's just amazing. And it's sort of funny. They make them all look the same, but there's, there's so many different stories behind the the rockets and um, yeah. So that it was, they're totally inspired by that hundred percent.
0: And what's the story behind the building that inspired the the theater that you used uh, uh, for where the Big Apple dancers have their performances?
1: Yeah, I wanted to, I was, um, well, I used to live in New York and I used to work in the city and I worked in Midtown. And to get to my, from my office on Madison Avenue, I'd walk through um, Bryant Park and I'd walk through like sort of the theater district to get to my territory, which was um, in the 50s up to Central Park. So I walked around a lot all day. That was my job. I was on my, I was, I was uh, I was in marketing and sales and I had to visit clients all day long. So I was just out, I was working the streets, <laughs> just out working the streets all day long. <laughs> And I would, I knew where all the best bathrooms were. And I knew where you could sit and you have a cup of coffee and no one would bother you, you know, that kind of thing. So you get to know your city and I just love the theater district in general. I just think it's cool. And that's where you're going to see a lot of tourists, you know, multiple times of the year, you'll see them at the holidays, but also see them in the summer, uh, you know, Um, but there's some beautiful old buildings and there was one that I just was fascinated with because it looked like there's modern office buildings next to it, but there's this like old building that obviously was built like, you know, in the 1800s at some point or whatever. And there was a Starbucks across the street. So I just sat in the Starbucks and I, I just walked, I looked at this building, this old theater, and I just wrote and imagined that it was my theater that I was writing about. So I I just gave it a fake, I gave it a, a made up name called the Vitrine Theater, um, but it's based on a couple of different ones because that one was kind of small. But I just um, hope to sort of bring the city to people that maybe hadn't been there because it's New York is so funny because it's like your building is right up next to another building. And that building could be oh a massage parlor or, you know, whatever they want to be, want it to be like a falafel place. You, know? <laughs> you have your theater. <laughs> so that's why New York is so cool. It is just such a patchwork of cultures and community. And um, there's not other, any other place in the city quite like the theater district. And that's what I wanted to sort of bring to life.
0: Now, one thing that the, the live theater and movies have in common is they both are mediums that can create worlds that can, can be anything. But beyond that, they are actually very different forms of entertainment. So did you use the differences between the two art forms? You know, your, your book's about a movie being filmed about a theater company. So did you use those differences to um, sort of heighten the tension or propel your narrative?
1: Yeah. And that's a really, that's a really good question. Cause um, I'm, you know, I'm sure people are aware of that. They're different, (laughs) different things, but it can be confusing. And also if you, if you don't, haven't seen a bunch of plays, it might be, you don't really, it's just so fascinating to me. You know, I've worked on movie sets, so I have that background. I've seen, I've seen movies being filmed. I have not worked in theater, but I've been to a lot of, I've been to a lot of, I went to a play yesterday. I went to a theater production yesterday. I saw Hedwig and the angry inch yesterday down in Olney. (laughs) oh How was it? Oh my God, it was so amazing. It was just a small little theater and the, um, the, the actor, the main, the lead, the lead character that played Hedwig, he just, he just blew, they, they just blew our minds. He's, um, he's a, he's a, they, them. And, um, he was, it was just an amazing, all of my friends were that, that we went with where we were just blown away. We were blown away. We were blown away. So yes, live theater is just an, more of an immediate thing. And they're right there in front of you. And I'm always impressed with people that do these because um, they were going to put that production on. We let, we saw the two o'clock one. They're getting ready to do it all over again. I'm like, I can't believe they're going to be doing all this all over again. <laughs> Same <Wow. exactly. laughs> Singing, dancing, pouring their hearts out on stage. I mean, they have to do it over and over and over and over. Like they might, you might film a scene for a movie if like a dozen times, but it's going to be done and over with and you, know, you don't ever have to see it again if you don't go to see the movie. But um, these people live in this immediacy and um, the repetition of it, I think could be, it could be probably exhilarating, but I imagine it might be exhausting at times and um, monotonous here and there. But yeah, so there's, there are two, it's, it's a different vibe when you go to see a live performance of any kind, music, plays, anything. Um, but I do love the theater and I just, it's, it's just weird to see like an actor doing something right in front of your face, I guess. <laughs> That's what the difference, the difference is, <laughs> instead of like a separation of a screen, you know? And like, maybe they shot that maybe 10 years ago and you're just watching it. You know what I mean? So that's why it's, um, it's a unique experience, but it's so, um, I don't know how you do, you, do you like live theater? Have you seen a lot of things, a lot of shows?
0: I haven't seen much recently, but uh, growing up, I grew up uh, near DC. Uh, so uh, we had, my dad would, because mom and I didn't want to drive down. Well, I was too young to drive, but Mom didn't want to drive in the city, so uh, Dad would actually drive us uh, downtown and drop us off at uh, 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 the National Theater or Arena Stage, and Mom and I would uh, see our play or our musical, and then Dad would dutifully pick us up afterwards. So, um, mm-hmm. yes, I, I got to see a lot of wonderful live theater um, when uh, when I lived uh, near DC. Yeah,
1: and it's don't you feel different when you walk out of a of a live show than you do with a movie? you feel yes, like you feel different right there's a different
0: Yeah, so it's kind so, of uh, to... a very different experience
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's almost like you reach out and touch them so i guess i was trying to convey some of that in the book because it is quite different penelope had both experiences and but she's also stood there and watched actors act but like i said it goes in the can and then they don't do they don't do it again um but yeah that's i hope that came through i hope that came through that it's just sort of an electric sort of experience that i think everyone should even if you go see a school play you're going to see some someone doing something that's out of their comfort zone, probably, and uh, you get to experience it, and it's just just
0: cool to see art being
1: art happening right in front of your face. is really cool in any form.
0: Did, did any of the theater people in in your book get into it with any of the movie people? <laughs> the theater, the movie people were not. I I left the
1: movies alone in this book. I wanted it to be really <laughs> focused on. Yeah, they're like, eh. Ah. I mean, there's a film crew with them, but it's just a couple guys with cameras. And she's really make, keeping it sort of trimmed down because she didn't want to interfere with their production of the Christmas show. So I kept, she, Arlena's the director, and I kept it really, um, it's pared down. So they have an apartment across the street from the theater where they have like their, you know, production studio. But it's just like an apartment. So there's not that many people. And Arlena has in this book, because she's in charge. Her dad is um, her co-producer, but other than that, she's hired all women to work on the um, on the on the production. So the film editor is female, and you know she just made it a point to hire women because I'd read a bunch of articles at that point. It was really I'm very immersed in the you know the world of movies and things because I'm always reading like articles like yeah, this should be changed and that that you know and it's like there are there there are fine female copy editor you know film editors like hire them you know so that's i wanted her to hire these people so I'm like, i can't control the world but i can control what she does and that's what she's going to do so she's going to have a diverse team and if this one because it was it was a small team so she's going to have you know it's
0: going to be girl power in this move in this uh, production so that's what we did uh, given that this is a different kind of uh, film and your characters uh normally worked on in, in your in your series how did uh... Penelope change her catering style to accommodate the the different style of production well this one um
1: was different for her it was i was trying to give her sort of a culinary challenge as well as you know solving murders <laughs> 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 i was like, you know, like well, not, it's not ah, showed up i made sandwiches I mean, that's not very interesting because um, she's teaching you know she's lear- she had to learn how to sort of she had to provide very healthy lean sort of food for these dancers you, you know and she they offered to feed the crew and besides feeding the crew they offer to cater on the production because the the director of the uh the owner of the theater is in a lot of financial trouble that's one of the subplots, and he's like they can just get like some energy bars out of the machine you know (laughs) So he's like no we'll feed them too so you know i kind of put that in there because i wanted penelope to to discuss like what how dancers eat because they eat a lot but they eat really carefully and they know what they're putting in their body because their body is their instrument you know that's what they're using but she goes home to the apartment across the street and she makes whatever they want to eat for the, for the film crew. But that wouldn't have been very exciting to make, you know, spaghetti for 16 people. I mean, everyone can do that. So I did give her the dancer challenge, but I thought that was kind of fun. And she, uh, each learned about like how they like to, um, to eat, you know, kind of addressed a few eating disorder, little questions in there too. Cause sometimes I think that's a thing for people that are, their bodies are exposed to everyone all the time. It can be, um, hard <laughs> you know you don't want to gain an ounce or and lose your job basically you know so i tried to put some of that in i wove some of that in there but it's not
0: like in your face it's just sort of in there uh, Now, in, in addition to the challenges of having to prepare food for um essentially athletes I and mean, dancers are athletes um did penelope uh, do anything special given that it was the the christmas holiday she was really trying to get them
1: to eat some cookies, but that didn't really go for too well. But the crew, the crew, they're like, "Yes, we'll have the cookies." Um, but yeah, no, not really. She, of course, she wanted to make it as I think the the key. My sister is um, my sister's a bodybuilder, and she's also a chef in real life. This is what she does. So the key is to make um, you go to her house and she's feeding you essentially vegetables, but they taste wonderful. <laughs> it's like everything, it's like you're eating lean lean fish and protein and vegetables because that's what she can eat when she's in competition but she's so good at cooking that you'd like this is delicious i want to eat this all the time so that's the key so that's what i always want penelope to do like whatever restrictions because actor actresses have these kind of things too i mean i worked on in real life i worked on a set where the actress didn't really eat any she didn't eat anything in front of anyone else she went into her trailer and ate and um you know, her male co-star ate everything in sight. So, you know, it was just sort of like a double standard, but <laughs> she just didn't want to, she, I think she had a nutritionist in her trailer that she was hiding in there drinking shakes or something, but, um, which is fine, no judgment, but I always have that sort of floating around the back of my mind. Cause you want to be respectful with people that are have dietary restrictions and just make sure that it's, it's delicious and beautiful,
0: whatever you're serving them, whatever they can have should be the best thing ever. If if you were hiring Penelope to cater your Christmas dinner and, and you had no no restrictions, what would you have Penelope serve you? Wow.
1: Beef Wellington, scallop potatoes, um, some some kind of fabulous green, bitter green salad, you know, just give me every single thing. <laughs> give me give me a cheesecake, <laughs> a <New> York cheesecake, <laughs> give me some cannoli, give me some spaghetti, I don't care. But I do like this, I do like to try to do this i'm not italian but i grew up with an italian step family and uh they do like the they did the seven fishes that would be kind of cool if she was doing christmas eve i would have her do the feast of the seven fishes at least some kind of fish and then we they my step grandmother always had pasta on you know thanksgiving (laughs) pasta was on the table no matter what day it was you know so maybe something to do with that because it is kind of fun to have spaghetti on christmas and and thanksgiving because it's different so yeah i would have her do beef wellington For sure, and scalloped potatoes. That's where I would start. That just popped in my
0: head. I'm like, that's what I want right now. (laughs) What do you eat? I expect some delicious beef Wellington, scalloped potatoes, uh, fish pasta. That that does sound delicious. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's make it happen.
0: Uh, the, the other thing that's actually uh, delicious in a different kind of way is is Christmas in New York. It's not. It's different in New York City than it is anywhere else. So, what was it about special about it that led you to set your story in New York at Christmas time?
1: Well, it is. It is just so pretty and it's you know (laughs) new york isn't always described as pretty and especially you know down certain alleys and there's some smells that happen in the summer and it's not a beautiful (laughs) city you don't really describe it as beautiful really you know it's kind of like oh you know this is where i live um but in the at christmas almost every building puts something out so all the storefronts are lit up and they're they'll they'll have live actors you know sitting in the window and rocking chairs like wrapping gifts. You know, it's just the, the whole city kind of gets into it. So I would walk around um, while I was working in the evenings and it just say, Oh my God, look, it just is so beautiful here. And I, like I said, I don't usually describe the city as beautiful. I mean, it's a, it's a cool city, but it's not, you know, it's not lovely. It's not Paris, but um, there are some pretty buildings, but it, I just loved how it like kind of lit up and it just felt more fun. And the, the, the size of the city, you know, the population expands because a lot of tourists come to um, go and go, to the park and take a carriage ride and you know central park and all that stuff is just really i I like the old new york feel of it like it's very romantic and fun and um you know i do a lot of times square stuff but like if you pop into like little italy you'll see some beautiful storefronts and restaurants you're always doing specials and it's just a fun time to be in the city so i wanted to sort of capture some of that some of that magic and i write traditional slash cozy mysteries and it's weird to set them in um New York City but I've set two of mine in New York City because <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm just gonna do it and I'm gonna call the theater district is my small town so get over it here we are <laughs> so, oh
0: that's true so. it's, it's it's a community uh so it's that uh, cozies are, are all about the community and so um the theater district and the theater people have you know they that that certainly counts as a community
1: yeah yeah that's I always kind of hung my hat on you know a film set is sort of like a small town Cause there's, you know, there's actors and there's, you know, people with, like meat cooking for people, but there's also you know, accountants and people, um, you know, building sets and hairdressers and makeup. You know, there's a whole community of people that are have a skill that they're coming together to make this production happen and people from all walks of life. And it, that's what's cool about it. It's like it is like a small town of people, you know, working towards a common goal.
0: And if, for readers who would like to ex- experience the uh, theater community and, and maybe some of the New York's Christmas magic, where can they buy a copy of Murder with All the Trimmings?
1: Um, well, it's, it's out there everywhere. It's on Amazon. I know that. Um, it's in a lot of libraries. So my books are in libraries around the country, which is fun. They're, I think they're in, actually in New York um ups, they're in Ithaca library system <laughs> but they're in North Carolina's <laughs> library system. So I'm in these random cities you know like North Carolina and other places but I'm definitely on Amazon um all the major booksellers have um the book so yeah and it's I think I wish I knew for sure it's a, it's the sixth or seventh in my series I can't remember because <laughs> it's a Christmas <laughs> one I, I wrote it out of order I think because they, they uh the publisher asked me to write a Christmas story so I did okay Towards the end, of, it's towards the later part of my series. I can't remember exactly.
0: And and I, I bet listeners could go to the New York Public Library, which could get it for them, and they could read a book about New York from the New York Public Library sitting on a bench somewhere. Um, is it too cold to sit on benches this time of year in New York? I don't actually know. Uh, well, they could sit in the library and read your book about New York in the New York Public Library.
1: Yeah, everyone should do that. And I guarantee someone is sitting on a bench right now in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is always happening, no matter what it is Imagine. So. Someone probably in my bathing suit is sitting on a bench somewhere. <laughs> that's the way it goes there.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? And where can readers uh, connect with you to find out what's going on with you? Um, well, my website is a good place to just
1: go, because that's where everything else is. My All my social media and stuff are on there, but it's com. It's very easy. There are no other Sean Riley Simmons. There are some Sean Simmons and some Sean Riley's, but there is no other Sean Riley Simmons. So if you do all three names, you'll find me. And that's the one uh, and only. Yes, that's right. The Sean, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But like I said, you can find all that on my website. Along with um, the, the correct order of the books is there too. And uh, the, the official order and um, if different events I've done. I think I have maybe a link to your podcast on there. I can't remember, but yeah, that's a good place to go.
0: And thank you very much for joining me uh, today. Actually, it's this evening we're recording. So thank you, especially for uh, staying up so late because I, I know it's late where you are on, on the the um, East Coast. Uh, but thank you for being part of my uh, holiday special. Oh, I wouldn't have missed it. I'm so
1: honored that you asked me. And I would do anything that you ask me, to be honest. <laughs> I think you're wonderful.
0: So I, I promise I won't ask you to do anything illegal, at least not while I'm recording. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, just let me know on the slide. What do you want me to do? I'll I'll do
1: that. But I mean, if I was you know thinking like I will come and cook for you probably. You know, we'll do that with no problem. I gotta stay. I gotta stay. On, I gotta stay on this side of the bars. I have a kid and a husband. They want to see me. <laughs> I Gotta keep it clean, at least until he's in college.
0: <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll we'll keep it clean and cozy. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And thank you listeners for tuning in to another holiday bonus episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. My guest was Sean Riley Simmons, who was chatting with me about Murder with All the Trimmings, her Christmas-themed red carpet catering mystery. Until next time, happy holidays and goodbye. for listening to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, award-winning author and host of the show. Tune in next time for another chat with an author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, goodbye.